so we've all seen the pink suit that RJ Barrett wore to the draft and the formal wear that he's been wearing for the tunnel walks and all the other events. Well, those are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. You just choose your fabrics, you pick some customizations, and you give them your measurements, and it's all delivered right to your door in just two weeks. There's even uh, Indochino showrooms out there, so you can get measured there, design your suit, make it all happen right on the fly. And right now, you can get $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast, Emergency Edition. We have the whole crew here, everybody sans David Fisdale. Um, I've got Kyle Maggio with me, at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. My man, what's up? What a day, what a day, what a day, huh? Day, what a day, what a day. What also, a day, what a day. Joining us, we have Mike Cortez at Cortezera on Twitter. What's up, man? Got some blood on the sheets. Oh, it, it, it's, it's quite a day for us. We're not stopping there. We've got the one and only Brian Giberman at Brian Giberman on Twitter. Yo, what's going on? Do you know what it's time for, guys? What what is the time? What tell us what the time is. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just added that shit in post. <laughs> no, no, it goes live. That's fair. That's fair. No, save me, save me the effort. It's Friday. I don't want to do that. Um, well, we're here. We've gathered today. We are. I guess we still have to do ad reads on this one, but we'll deal with that later. For the Blue Wire podcast family, uh, go follow everything we do at thenixwall.com, at TKW Podcast on Twitter, at the Wall on, on Twitter. Get on all that shit. Subscribe to us, YouTube, uh, Apple, whatever podcasting you use, all that stuff. We got some, uh, we got the meat to get to in this one. Um, if for all of us listening, for all of us on the call right now, if you have a beer near you, just raise it high and cheers with me right now. Uh, and you know any any beverage because David Fisdale is fired. Uh, the Knicks have this week suffered both a 44 point loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and then follow that up with a 36 point loss to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the team has looked non competitive for weeks. They are eight. They're in the midst of a eight game losing streak. Uh, nobody seems to be giving much effort. Brian just told us all that R.J. Barrett liked the tweet about uh, David Fisdale getting fired. Um, there's 
there's a lot going on out there right now. Um, so I guess we're going to start here with our friend Kyle Maggio. Uh, wh- where does, where's your mind stand right now? What, you know, David Fizdale's gone. Mike Miller is the interim coach right now. David Fizdale leaves us with a .202 record going 21 and 83 and his uh, season and a quarter with the Knicks. Uh, pay down until 2022, by the way. But Kyle Maggio, tell us where uh, where your mind is at right now after the loss of David Fisdale. So um, I would like to start this off by saying that before we get into the shit kicking of David Fisdale, and take that most for of it's data. deserved. Take that for data. Uh, most of it, I, I do want to start off by saying that I was a big proponent of hiring Fisdale. I stand by it. Um, a lot of what we discussed after the hire seemed to make sense for what the Knicks needed to do to actually be a modern NBA team in 2019 based on what he did with the Grizzlies. But I feel like I've used that point so many times and it doesn't mean anything because he doesn't, he didn't do any of that in New York. So I'm disappointed. I I really did like David Fisdale. I had high hopes for him being here and coaching the team. Not like he was going to be the guy to turn everything around per se, but like, I just thought like we had a good, competent head coach, like just slightly better than Jeff Hornacek, just the guy who's going to be able to develop some of the kids. Didn't work out that way. Um, it sucks. It sucks. I thought we we're going to have a fast paced offense. We had a roster, which doesn't make much sense, but if you play them fast, maybe they could a little bit, uh, it gives them a chance anyway. It just seemed like he just didn't get it. You know, we had a lot of these concerns last season. Uh, I know Brian was screaming, up and down about Fisdale and, and Moutier and, and some of the things that he was doing last year. And, you know, I think we all agreed more or less, but we also kept going, well, this team is historically bad. We all know it. It's a barren roster. Let's kind of give him a pass and see what he does with a, a somewhat competent team next year. And then we got the somewhat competent team and it's a clunky fit, but it is a more talented team. No question. And it is the coach's responsibility after getting the roster, no matter how good or bad it is to figure out the optimal ways to use it. And he did not. And that's the end of the story. Like you got a young roster with a ton of new guys on it. And all he had to do was be better than a 17 win team. And they are on pace to win 15 games. So this is the, you know, the, the grave that he dug himself a little bit. And this is how we got, it sucks. It sucks. When you, when you get a new front office and a new coach, you always want to believe in them and hope things are going to be a little different, but uh, as it often isn't here. And especially this time, it just didn't work out. I mean, I'm not happy. No, it it certainly. I'm not. Yeah, it, like, 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 I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, he was making a lot of mistakes, and and we're gonna start getting into him now with with Brian and Mike and everything. But like, I'm not happy about it. Like, a lot of people are happy. Like, Mike Miller. While I I would love to see what he's got, I think he's a very competent candidate and definitely deserves a chance to show what he could do at this level. He had a successful run with the Westchester Knicks, the Knicks uh, G League affiliate team. Um from what I've seen and from the games that I've watched and looking at some of the stats, his offense isn't really all that much, you know, worlds apart different from what Fisdale was doing. It's a little less ISO, but it's not really a, uh, the fast paced offense by any means. I wonder if that's just the G league and the personnel that he had, or, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put too much stock into it. I just want to kind of forewarn everyone before we get ahead of ourselves and think that there's going to be a drastic difference. Um, 
But I'd like to see what he has. You know, usually after these firings happen midseason, the team plays with a little bit of energy and uh, they show like they care a little bit and some new lineups and things are tried out. So um, I'm not excited in general per se, but I'm excited for the next like three or four games. If that matters to anybody or means anything. Well, let's let's. Uh, I want to hear what Mike has to say after this from here. I I want to I want to hear from Brian Lass on this subject. Uh, after he started firing off some air horns, I feel like you've got some things. <laughs> yeah, there they go again. That, those those are the air horns. That, those, those are them right there. Look at yep, they were listening again. Um, and now to over to Mike. Uh, so I mean, you're fair. You're a little bit familiar with Mike Miller. Uh, I know you've seen a little bit of his play in Westchester. Um, I mean, even beyond that, just just kind of tell me where you're at now with Fisdale, you know, being gone just, you know, just over 100 games into his tenure, really, with the Knicks. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of expectations went unfulfilled. You know, I, I feel like Mike Miller's got a lot to go on for the rest of the season. He's kind of got a lot to prove for the rest of the season, so... Uh, you know, if, if he wants to even be considered for this job at the end of the year, but kind of, I guess, where do you think this team is going to, what do you think this team's going to look like for the rest of the year? Where do you think they go from here? And just, do you think that this was the right move for the team? Definitely the right move, but it's one move of many that have to happen from here on out. For example, I would get rid of Julius Randle if possible, definitely get rid of Marcus Morris. And then if Miller's going to coach, just give him the kids to coach. I think the problem with Fisdale is he accommodated the veterans. And I don't know if that ties into whether he thought he had to win games and didn't think the young guys were ready, or he just simply wanted to play the veterans. That has to change. The young guys have to play. Mitch has to start. He's their second best player, probably their first most talented player. He has to be developed at all costs. And look at I'm looking at the schedule ahead. Nothing's going to change. We have Indiana Saturday, Portland. Golden State is kind of winnable. And then you have Sacramento and Denver again. They're still going to suck. This roster still stinks. But like I said, Fisdale didn't do much to to stay. And I would actually look back to when he was fired in Memphis. Some of the same issues happened in Memphis where he benched Marcus All without telling him. We saw that a lot with Knox recently. So just like small problems like that, I'd rather just get myself away from that. And hopefully they clean house at the end of the season, give somebody a massive deal complete control and let them pick a real coach because in-house is just not working. Yeah. And I mean, that seemed to be one of the biggest issues that plagued the team through, you know, through, through this year and, you know, at parts of last year too, but certainly like pretty much since the beginning of the season is that, you know, there was no consistency. Nobody seemed to be on the same page. You know, nobody knew when David Fisdale was going to be benching them or, you know, what starting lineup he was going to be rolling out. There didn't really seem to be too much of a rhyme or a, you know, like a reason to it. So um, let's kick it over to our friend Brian Gaberman. It's been a little bit since we've heard you on the pod. Um, so I know that you've been a big proponent of the Fisdale firing for a while. You brought air horns to the night. I appreciate you. Um, we haven't heard the air horns, by the way. This is a TKW note. Um, we haven't heard pod, uh, air horn since... And his canter. Yes, yes. This is the first time was, re- was released yeah. from the Knicks. So I just want to note the significant. We don't just bring air horns into this podcast for any reason. And by we, I mean Brian. And Brian brought the air horns. 
for the Fizdale firing. Continue. Yeah. So Brian, I guess why were you so uh so high on Fizdale being given the hacks? And uh I guess what do you think the next steps are from here for you know uh, for this team to kind of look competent? Who do you think should be taking the court more than anybody? Um do you think that Mike Miller is a viable candidate for the end of the year, or are we just going to have to completely clean out and start again? On Mike Miller, really quickly, I don't have the slightest clue. I've never watched a single Westchester G League game. He has a very bland name, so I wanted him to be the coach. Um, so that's my Mike Miller thoughts. On Fizdale, yes, the roster, uh, what, everything Kyle said, very true. And just that there was ways around it. Like, I, I didn't watch the last three games. I stopped. As I said, I would not watch the team while Fizdale was the coach because I, if I wanted to watch the same thing over and over again, I would watch the movie Groundhog Day and not Nick's best. No, legit, that's what I compared this team to earlier today. Like, there is a tweet out there that would be saying it. It's just it's too easy of a comparison. That's just the same thing every day. So, yeah. And so, like, there was two there were two lineup things that before the season started that you were like, all right, Obviously, these players should never step foot on the court together. One out of the point guards, Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. can never play together. And literally, the first time they were both, was that game the first time they were both active together yeah. since like yep. the first week of the season, yep. or maybe the entire season? They, they, they haven't been active together for more than five games this season. And he played them together for, in the first half of that game with Wayne Ellington and Damian Dotson on the bench where one of them could have played point guard, a uh, shooting guard with pick whoever you want. I would have picked Payton because of how bad Dennis has been this year. He hasn't earned the right to be on the court. So, but, and he did that right away. And then throughout the entire season, he has on a semi-regular basis played Bobby Portis Julius Randle and Marcus Morris together. That front line reminds me of when in 13-14, Woodson used to throw out Bargnani, Amari, and Mello together. It's a toss-up which of those two groups is worse fitting together. And that stuff was happening all the time. Say you were under, from the front office, you had you have to play Bobby Portis, you have to play Julius, and you have to play Julius Randle. Like, there's no options. That is what you have to do. Even within that context, he could have done what he was doing better. Look, he fig- he did figure it out that, and I, I've said this for a while now, Taj Gibson, out of all the Knicks bigs, what is the best one to play with Julius Randle? He was right. I, I had no problem with him starting Gibson and making sure Randle was playing with them because, as we've seen, Gibson can hit some threes and he spaces out and there's a little bit of, those two pieces are interchangeable on offense, so that it allows Randall to do. He can set screens in a way that he can't when Mitch is on the court with him. So pairing those two is fine. Say you have to start Marcus Morris still. All right, that's fine. So what do you do then to make the rotation kind of flow better? You take Marcus Morris out early. You bring in one of the guards. Then you let RJ play the three. You have Dotson or Ellington, whoever you want to play the two, and you do that. Then you bring back Morris with Mitch. Then you can find Mitch is getting into foul trouble and stuff, so you can find Portis a little bit of time with Gibson when you rotate back through. 
Like you don't, you have to play Randall. You don't have to play him 34 minutes. You could have gotten his minutes down to 25. You still could have paid, like there, you could have played Gibson like 18. Like there, there was ways to make all these pairings work, even if you had to play all these players that shouldn't necessarily be playing. And he well, just right. didn't do it at all. Like you see, we've seen, we've seen what Carlisle did with Dirk for years. You take, we see smart teams, what, what Brett Brown does with Joel Embiid. You take out this, a player early, then you bring him back with the second unit. And it would have been so easy for him. You could have done it in any directions. Say you wanted to start Mitch, then you could have started Mitch, Randall, and Morris. Then you pull Randall early, mm-hmm. then bring him back with Gibson. If you wanted to start Gibson, then you bring in Mitch. Like There were so many ways you could make this work. But to play Mitch and Marcus Morris to get barely no time together at the five and four while you are trying to win basketball games is just a fireable offense alone. And well, I mean, nothing, the staggering point is something that we talked about a lot in the summertime after all these signings were made. And I mean, obviously there was the whole Durant Kyrie stuff that, you know, and then they, they, you know, were able to sign the guys that they were able to sign. That's all, you know, past history, but, when we were saying that and when the jokes were kind of firing off about the, you know, all the power forwards that we signed and everything like that, there was a belief amongst Knicks fans that like, you know, some of these guys are interchangeable enough at different positions where they're going to be able to, uh, you know, we're going to be able to stagger them a little bit and they're going to be able to, uh, you know, be able to coincide on the court a little bit together. And at least like, we'll be able to find different combinations that will be able to play well together and things like that but we just really haven't had that. And Fisdale really didn't seem to make any kind of, uh, didn't really seem to put any kind of emphasis on making those guys all play together. He was more concerned about who was going to fill out the guard rotation and what he was doing about one through three, really, than he was uh, concerned about four or five. But, um, and, you know, there are issues at both areas, but really, you know, four and five were, were some of the issues where we've been bleeding at the most. And with, uh, you know, with Marcus Morris in the equation and everything and, and what the start you said to the season, like you're kind of strung with him at one of those three, four positions right there. And then, you know, you got to kind of fill the rest out. You got RJ Barrett, you have to develop, you have all these other young guys on the court you have to develop. So I guess that kind of takes me to when we, when Fisdale was brought in, he was hired to be the developmental coach. He was hired after, you know, Hornacek's reign of like trying to get them competitive and, you know, now the Knicks had uh, Frank Mielekina on the roster. They had Kristaps Porzingis on the roster. They, you know, just drafted Kevin Knox. Um, you know, really what they thought to be a pretty competent young team ready to take a step forward that just needed some development. And David Fisdale was going to be the guy. He very clearly um, did not live up to those expectations. So. Uh, Kyle, why don't you take this next one where I guess, what do you think this team needs the most from their next head coach? Like, is it still all development? Do you think that they are looking for a fast track to like competence or like, like the next head coach that gets hired here, whether it's during the season, whether it's after the season, it's very likely going to be around April, but what do you think they need to bring to the team and not just talk about bringing to the team? I think Brian tweeted this earlier, and it's a sentiment that I know we've agreed on and shared, all of us that are on this pod right now. Um, 
you know, for the first time, I'm not like trying to give anybody credit, especially not to James Dolan here, but um, there's no like pressure to win now. And by win now, I don't mean, you know, deep playoff runs and titles and shit. I mean, like, you know, what they were trying to do with the, the beginning of this decade, which was like 40 wins, 36, 54, 37, like, you know, some semblance of mediocre basketball, like, you know, the old Knicks way. Um, there's no pressure to even do that. If there was, they would have rushed to sign a bunch of guys like Tobias this summer. Like they didn't do that. So not again, not giving them credit for like avoiding maybe some small missteps they should have avoided in the, you know, to begin with. But what they should do is basically like, um, there's no expectations coming into whoever's next. It's basically like, look, the young core is here. Like, my my big issue is just having a young core doesn't mean you're rebuilding. Like just having your all your draft picks the next few years doesn't mean you're rebuilding. Like you actually have to hit on those draft picks. Then you have to actually develop those draft picks. And developing doesn't just mean starting them or playing them. It means putting them in a position to succeed with an offensive or defensive system that complements those players and the other players on the roster. Those latter things that I listed are things that the Knicks don't do. Like that's the issue. Like everyone says, oh, we have the young core. We don't need to sign people. I don't give a shit if these kids sink. Like if now we're going to find out. Hopefully there's a different system and we could figure it out. But um, they haven't been good and they weren't good with Fizdale. We're going to find out if they're good with Mike Miller. But basically there's no expectations for who's next is my point. So all you have to do is come in. You know how not to play the kids. You know how not to use this roster pretty much. There's a mountain of evidence for you to go off of the last 1.25 years here uh, about what not to do with maybe some of the young kids or some of the vets on this team that are, you know, here this season. So pretty much just like use them how they should be used. Like that's my biggest thing. It shouldn't just be, we're watching, you know, like Brian said, 35 minutes of Julius Randle double teamed in the paint, trying to force up shots. Like I, I've always been a big Julius Randle guy. You can minimize his minutes and make him, play more effective. A good coach would figure out a way to do that, even on a clunky roster. Um, so pretty much there's no, there's nothing expectation wise, just come in, like establish an identity, establish a system of some kind on either side of the floor. That is, is your identity, your backbone, and just start building something like that's the expectation. Like what is this team? Just having Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett on the roster is meaningless. What are you going to do with those guys? especially an RJ Barrett and a Mitchell Robinson who actually have shown not just flashes, but that they belong in this league. Like, are you going to be able to maximize the upside of the potential in those guys? How are you going to do it? That's all this next person coming in, you know, Mike Miller right now and, and whoever is next, if someone's hired after him, that's the only focus. Nobody should be trying to win 30 games and sneak into the playoffs. It's okay. This entire roster is kids. I have draft picks coming in the next two years. What am I doing to prepare for a young team, is there a system in place? Can I get these kids up to speed? That's all that they should be worried about. Yeah, I mean, like, I totally agree. Like, we need to, I feel like the, you know, like, the story, the words that were coming out of Mills and Perry's mouth, you know, and then Fizdale was echoing, uh, you know, earlier in the season, and then even before that, you know, was that the Knicks have a plan, they have a rebuild, they want to take the long approach to this kind of thing. And that storyline quickly went away, you know, once the rumors of Durant or Kyrie Irving coming to sign here was going to be it. But 
to me, from the beginning, they never really committed to this long rebuild. They wanted to be rebuilt and ready to compete within three years, it seemed like to me. And they were going to try to fast track it the whole time. So, I mean, like, you know, that and that's kind of the thing. Like, you know, the the Knicks didn't have great expectations uh, for the season at any point. Like it was, you know, they had 20 win expectations pretty much up and down the board for them to reach 30 was kind of looked at as would, you know, require a great outlier. Um. And, you know, obviously, David Fisdale is not going to be the coach to reach, you know, to get the team to reach there. The team is four and 18 right now, uh, you know, with a 30 win season looking pretty far out on the, uh, you know, not really on the horizon, but just kind of like in our in our imaginations at this point. So um, I get like. I, I It's kind of interesting to kind of think about where we go from here, like you don't really expect a. Uh, coach to be fired within you know 30 games of the first year of like your best draft pick in, in a long time with rj barrett um you know and, and like the you guys really got to start prioritizing these guys development so um you know i i think we we can move on from the coach necessarily at this point we can go on to the front office now before we kind of wrap things up but turn me up yeah so, I was told. Yeah, I was told that there was a brand new culture, Anthony. Yeah, so uh, that's that's kind of what I was told too. I heard all this thing that the Knicks were trying to establish a culture. They wanted to get uh, the right kind of guys in here. There was even talk of a dog mentality at some point recently. Protect the garden. Um, Brian, where's the air horns? <laughs> um, all right, we don't have the air horns. Hold on, Brian, <laughs> mute. Let me get him back. There he is. There he is. Brian, I don't know if you've been trying to talk. I had you on mute for a second, but uh, uh, <laughs> listen, check Slack, buddy. But uh, the next thing we should probably talk about here is the front office. So uh, Steve Mills, Scott Perry are doing just we all believed in him or we've all believed in them, but they've done, you know, so far what appears to be an abysmal job of running this team. Um I guess culture, as Kyle brings up, needs to change. It needs to change again. It's changed for the last, you know, six years of this rebuild that we've been in right now. So uh, I guess Brian and Mike, uh, you guys can kind of tag team this, hop in wherever you guys see fit. But um, what what has to happen for the culture to change? Who do you think from the front office has to be held accountable for their coach not working out? Is it entirely the front office point at any, like at all at this point? Or is it just... Uh, you know, like, are they deserving of the blame in this situation? Are they deserving of the blame for the on-court product not working out? Are they deserving of Bizdale not wear- working out? Like, what steps do we have to take from here to ensure that the next coach we get is going to be one that's going to last for a couple of years at least? Steve Mills has to go. That's number one. He's been the only one here for since, what, 2012, 2013? Since then, only all three coaches, Hornacek, Fisher, and now Fisdale, haven't seen a third season. That's a problem. So I think they're just doing a poor job of either communicating what exactly they're looking for or what they're trying to pitch to the public. Because before the season, they're like, this is a team we expect to compete. And everyone said the roster sucked since day one, and they've been proven right. So if everyone's saying the same thing and you think they're crazy, I think you're the one that's crazy. I tried to take a look earlier this season uh, or earlier today about what, like how many coaches they have on the payroll right now. And I think surprisingly, it's, it's just Fisdale. Um, no, I think they still owe Hornacek, no? Well, Hornacek yeah. expired at the end of last season. 
Okay. Hornacek was on a three-year contract, which also coincided with the end of Derek Fisher's contract uh, because he was still getting paid all the way up until the end of last season. Um, and also, if you want to consider the other head coach in that span, Kurt Rambis, though he was still getting an a, a, uh, assistance payday, he is being paid through the end of this season. That's gross. See, like so, that's just gross. Like they just that right, just proves exactly no clear plan of what they want. And I think I really think I'll play devil devil's advocate here, but Fisdale came to coach Porzingis. He chose New York over Atlanta, Charlotte, and I think Phoenix. I want to say one of those rebuilding teams. So he wanted yeah, to come to play Porzingis. It was Phoenix, right? Okay, so he wanted to coach one of those teams. I mean, he chose Porzingis over those teams. He never gets to coach Porzingis. Then he had to be told, hang in there, we're going to get Durant, because Dolan and the whole front office was very bullish on this summer. That doesn't happen. Either Fisdale just gave up, or he was just sold the wrong plan. I, I'm i always torn on what you just said with uh, Fisdale, because, like, on again, on one hand, the Grizzlies era, on the other hand, what we've seen. Oh, he hasn't but... done nothing to stay around, but yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... I, again, yeah, I don't know what anybody expected with this roster. Uh, all summer, we were trying to warn people that this wasn't a great roster, and a lot of uh, fans yelled at us that wins is what I was expecting, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, listen, all of us, we all said more or less the same thing. We were around the same territory with our win predictions, and we all said, hey, if Fisdale is like semi competent, this team should be a fun ish, fast, occasionally fun ish, at least, sort of fast team. Like that, that was really it. We were like 25, maybe 30 wins, absolute best case scenario. But most of us had like 24 to 27. And we're like, just be like regular bad. Don't, don't be historical bad. Just be like regular bad. Give us a couple good big wins, but like nothing. And we were sold this new culture, like at, you know, media day, Fizz and, you know, Perry, and, and they're doubling down on the roster. These are good vets, you know, dogs on the roster. This is toughness. Any worse than last year. You're worse than last year. And and this, for me, stems back to the Porzingis trade. Like, they talked a big game after that. We're going to have space for these these max free agents. We're going to have all this money. Like, oh, ooh, we, have our, we have these draft picks. Well, the Mavs look terrific, regardless of how much we want to shit on how, you know, KP has struggled at the beginning of the season. They look good and increasingly getting better, mostly due to Luka. It doesn't matter what you think of KP, because as long as Luka is good and the Mavs are good, our picks are bad from them. Like, that's, it's very simple. And I don't think they're going to be good at any point, uh, the picks that we have. So the picks are going to stink. We blew the cap space. We're not sending anybody this next summer either, right? So that's two years of wasted cap space from the KP trade that we opened up. Um, we had to give him away to clear the Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee salaries that were blocking the books for this summer and next, right? And we're not going to capitalize on any. So that was – so what do we have? Dennis Smith Jr., who I'm high on, who has looked terrible this season, right? So what did we get from the KP trade? Nothing. Hot air. We got nothing. But, hot, hot air, right? But yeah. I, guys, at least he, he didn't want to be here, right? No, I don't believe that. He didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be here. So that's much better, of course, is to just hastily get him out of town versus uh, forcing him to sign a, a contract that would have recouped an asset, a big one with high upside, right. uh, regardless of the injury woes. But anyway, so it was all for nothing, is my point. And big, you know, new culture, all these changes, things are going to turn around. And not barely a year later, here we are yet again, 
talking about the same old shit. Like you said, it's Groundhog's Day. Like, yeah, we're not even the, close to a year out. Like, like Mills, Mills is the right problem, right? Mills, Mills and Dolan are the problem. Mills and Dolan, Mills and Dolan got to go. Dolan will go. Perry is a problem too. This is the third straight organization he has been with in the Magic Kings and Knicks that had not the slightest clue how to construct a roster and find complementing skill sets. It just seems directionless. Like they knew how to start the rebuild, but they're, I don't think they had any idea for what the goal needs to be. I feel like Perry's just living off of selecting Mitchell Robinson at this point. Everything else has been and okay the bad. Yeah. Like he did. Uh, this is a point. I'm talking I about New York up. only. Yeah. But in, this was a point I brought up on mm-hmm. Twitter and people got mad at me this summer. I was like, look, I don't, there's some players I don't mind that the Knicks signed, but when you look at it all as a whole, it's very reminiscent of when the Kings, which this was what Scott Perry did, signed Zebo, George Hill, and Vince Carter and added it to a young core. Then Dave Yeager basically had to play two different teams, the young kids and the old, old kids, with two different, completely different systems in place, one playing fast, one playing slow. And it just never meshed and it didn't work until the season after when they basically just sent Sebo away to and paid him not to play. And then they got better. And it was basically, that's basically exactly like it was a, it's a carbon copy to what happened with the Knicks this year. So I don't think Scott Perry has any idea how to build a functioning basketball team. Mills has to go. Perry has to go. Like it, it just, it needs a, it needs a complete restart. Yeah, and I've talked a lot in this pod, and I won't apologize because I've been angry about this stuff for a while. Um, the Perry thing is an excellent point. The only reason I left them off of the Mill and, uh, Mills and Dolan thing is because, you know, if we're going to do the full cleaning of the house, like the high-priority targets are what they are. Dolan's never going to leave, and I doubt Mills is going to walk. Uh, I mean, it keeps getting rumored now, but I'll believe it when I see it because um, that man is made of Teflon, evidently. But um, Perry stinks, man. Like I, the Mitchell Robinson thing was fun. I will give him credit for the the facilitating the Carmelo trade, getting that second round pick, and converting it to Mitchell Robinson. I will, even though Mitch has not been that good this season. If we're keeping in a buck, as much as we all love him and think he'll turn it around, uh, just tough start. But again, grain of salt with the start as a whole. But um, Perry hasn't been good, and I. This is kind of what I was concerned about. Was like. But the, the Knox stunk. Knox stunk, right? I mean, he, I mean, to a degree so far. I think there's still redeemable things about Kevin Knox, but like, like, like Scott Perry has some sort of a record. It might be mixed. He's not. He doesn't have a ton of experience as a as a you know manager or anything like that. Scott but Perry has never like, like, hasn't been on a team with a winning season in his entire career as a GM. That Kevin, the dude from the New York Times, tweeted that out today. But but the, my the point is terrible. My point is. You know, what like what has Steve Mills done other than pioneer shit next he games sucks. for a yeah, decade? He's, he's awful. And like, just like, one more. Oh, go ahead. I, I I do think that Perry. I I do. I like ultimately this summer. I, I feel like they both got to be gone. Like I like. I'm not trying to uh, dismiss Perry of any blame here, but to me, the the biggest part of the problem starts with Steve Mills. Like to me, if I want a, a target number one, I got to focus on here at Steve Mills because I just think that he has no idea what he's doing. The guy comes from a completely business background. He doesn't know basketball. He clearly doesn't know no, basketball. That's not, that's not true. He has a basketball background. He played basketball at Princeton. He's boys with Pete Carell. 
Like he, there, there is basketball in his history. Okay, that's fair. But I, I still do think that he's gotten most of his professional experience through you know, Madison Square Garden's other affairs and then also just kind of like having the hand of Dolan, you know, like that, like it, it's, I, I, I don't really, I really, really don't like buying into the whole like Dolan's plan thing. And like, you know, I'm trying not to hype up too much like the, uh, you know, Dolan's uh, cronies kind of thing or anything like that. But he's really at the, it's really at the point where it's like, clearly we keep putting the same the wrong people in charge of this thing uh and then we keep on trying to tread out new people and then saying that you know they know what they're doing and we and we just like it seems like the accountability is so low and they just seem so eager to keep repeating the cycle over and over again i have never seen a professional franchise care less about the fans that it tends to than the New York because Knicks. it still sells like, like still from, sells. from from top to, from top to bottom from the product they put out from the care that they put into anything from the front office to the coaching staff to the players to the social media team the marketing team the fan events the giveaways the the general you know warmness of when you enter the like they they don't care they're like here's an XL white generic printed t-shirt that nobody asked for or wants like that's our fun giveaway that we give you once a month once every two months like you know what i mean it's like they, they don't care the social media team is trash they don't even tweet scores on, on the, the post game tweets anymore it's just like tough one cnn on tweet Saturday. the score that's what's really well, egregious mike for, from from top to bottom like we just get the worst product well, th- and here we are on our friday night at 9 p.m discussing they them. won't this even they do to us this is brutal. they won't even post the score is really the it's biggest so thing i mean what was the shit that they posted I earlier today that, like oh, they posted Indiana like or some stupid shit they posted like some some spotify <laughs> playlist they tried to make seem like like they're still really peddling this whole narrative of like and i get it listen i li- i work in marketing like you you have to try to sell the thing that you're you know being paid to try to sell, um, but at, you know at a certain point it's just it's it's all been bullshit lately. Um, we have a lot of grievances we're obviously going to be exploring throughout the rest of the season. There's still many games left to go. We're you know not even ha- we're not even close to halfway through the season yet. Uh, it's I mean yeah I mean this is kind of wild. Um, but let's, I guess, let's kind of get back onto the team itself and away from the front office. Let, let's turn our attention a little bit more towards where we think the team goes from here. I guess we're going to end this out in just a, just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, wh- like, just kind of give me, like, I guess let's, let's just kind of go around. Just give me a prediction for how you think the rest of this month is going to go into January to the trade deadline, I guess, like. The next, the next two and a half months or so for the Knicks, like, do you think they're going to be able to put together any kind of run under Mike Ballone? No, like, do you think some not. guys are going to be gone sooner than of later? Of course like, not. Just, just, what are just, we doing yeah. here? Of course it's not. Of course not. Kyle, your disgust there was the best. What the fuck are you asking me, Anthony? I mean, do you know how hard it is to try to run a podcast about this team, man? <laughs> I, I do. I'm not even. I'm not even faulting you. I'm just faulting the no, words I, coming out of your mouth. The intent is pure, but the words they cut to my core, Anthony. Oh, I, they cut I know, and man. They hurt. I know. I know. 
We do it for the fans. Okay, my expectation is for them yeah. to not allow the opponent to shoot 18 million wide open threes a game. And yes. if another person uses the Bucks as an example to defend what David Fisdale <laughs> did, the Bucks take 40 fucking threes a game. Do you not understand the difference? They, they, they also have Giannis. They have room to allow other teams to shoot threes because they are always attempting more. The most important thing about three-point defense is not the percentage. It's the amount of threes you allow the team to take. You always want to make sure you take more threes than you allow the opponents to take. And I, there can't be many games this season where that actually happened for the Knicks. Truly atrocious. That's all I oh, want no, to see. That's, that's, yeah, that's not going to happen. The rest of this season is them to not just play, oh, we have to protect the rim. Leverage Mitch's ability to protect the rim and close off the three-point line. That's the improvement I want to see for the rest of the season. Don't get blown out by 40 points again. Right. Uh, that's, that's the bar is hell. Mike, do you have anything else you want to get off here? Yeah. Uh, that's too much. Uh, major shout-out to Key Smart, Drone Smart. I don't know what the hell your name is. What the hell were you doing with Dennis Smith all summer? He still His shot still sucks. <laughs> Nothing. He looks worse. How did you make him look worse? Wait, what are you doing down there? You had one job all summer. One so job. So pretty much all summer. Fix that child's job. The only shot. thing he did was get him to stop going to fucking Bojangles. That's all. Smart you see his little backfire. Yeah. Put him back on the fast food. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't get like what were you I doing? Got, He's a North Carolina boy. You got to keep him on he, the fast food, he man. Quits, That's he quit Bojangles and the Waffle House. Had the career worst year. Coincidence? I think not. Get that boy to fast food. Stop. No, just get him out of the team too. Like, Shooting just, on the way down still, right? Is that? Yeah. It's it's that, yeah. and he just like he'll just stop at the top of his release. Just stop. It's like what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Next development, baby. Yeah, well, we're going to – I mean, I am sure we're going to be talking a lot more about the Knicks development in the next couple of weeks, and especially Dennis Smith Jr. with the trade deadline uh, approaching. It's it's getting near. We still have some time until then. We have some time for some of these guys to get their value up. Uh, we have expiring contracts. There are things that yet to be seen. The drama is not over for this Knicks season, and honest to God, this is kind of what I was waiting for. I need something to make this shit entertaining. So, uh, <laughs> so you guys can go ahead and, uh, oh, I guess I should probably uh, do an ad read before I get us out of here, shouldn't I? Before you do that, yeah. make sure you're following the Knicks wall on all platforms, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you would like to follow us or search us. We're probably there. We're also on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. If you didn't and probably don't want to buy some merchandise after uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, I wouldn't blame you, but we have some lovely TKW Christmas sweaters in the TKW shop uh, with our wonderful vendor, Design Tree. Shout out to Design Tree. Um, go buy some. We have St. Neil Aquino. We have Mary Mitchmas. We have the TKW Ugly Christmas Sweater, which doesn't have as fun a name, but it is delightful nonetheless. So go take a look. In addition to all of our jerseys for the young Knicks fan in your life, where you are grooming for a lifelong uh, trip of misery. So if you want to get any of those things for yourself to self-loathe or for others to help them uh, you know, commiserate with you, go ahead and visit the shop. If not, please at least for manning this out with us, uh, this emergency podcast, give us a five-star review. Uh, leave us something nice. I think this was enjoyable. 
And uh, yeah, I'll let Anthony take it. Yeah, follow us all on Twitter, head to nixwall.com, all that good stuff. Let me tell you all about ShipStation. With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship those orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders, decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. I have used ShipStation with a couple of websites I've managed before in the past, and I can promise you it is the number one choice of online sellers like me. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use the offer code BLUE to get 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter promo code BLUE, ShipStation, make ship happen. And the last thing I'm going to tell you guys about before we get out of here is Harry's. Um, Harry's is a great gift for any of the men or the women in your life. Uh, You know, a lot of razors get dull. They get kind of, uh, they kind of get worn down really easily i i'm italian i'm puerto rican i have uh, a, a lot of facial hair and they i tend to get one use out of a razor most of the time uh but harry's is trying to change all that and listeners of this show can get five dollars off any harry's shave set by heading to harry's.com slash blue wire uh the shipping ends on december 16th the free shipping ends that is so you gotta act now um harry's is a great gift uh it's a great deal for you it's a great deal for him it's you know it, it, it it's it's got everything you kind of need it's just twenty dollars to get things started um that's right within your secret santa limit so you know keep an eye on that blade refills are as low as two dollars each um it comes in a really nice little holiday gift box for you and one percent of each sale is going to get donated back to charities so you know feel good about that um, as a special offer for fans of the show, we partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash blue wire, plus you'll get free shipping. Each Harry shaving set comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave a $5 razor cartridge or a five blade razor cartridge, foaming shave gel for a nice rich lather, the travel cover to protect your blades. And it's all packaged in that nice gift box. I managed, I mentioned, so uh, like I said, the free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Um, do you guys have any last uh, takes to get off before we head out of here? Let's go, Blazers. Stay oh, mellow. Stay mellow. I think that's the note we can end on here. So, uh, Mike and Kyle will be talking to you all on uh, for your Monday morning commute and i will be back next week we will all talk to you very very soon thanks for listening